Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. Tired of your leaking roof? Don't have the funds to replace your entire roof? Well, Rubber Roofs is the answer. Rubber Roofs Liquid Rubber Paint has a 10-year product warranty, so you won't have to worry about your leaks ever again. Rubber Roofs is the trusted name in waterproofing with expert applicators nationwide. Call us today on 087-0948-092 or visit rubberroofs.co.za for an obligation-free quote. Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in waterproofing. You're listening to Confidential Brief. My name is Chad Thomas. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. If you're tired of getting contractors in to fix your leaky roof, only to find out that your roof still leaks, it's time to sort that leak out for good. Rubber Roofs manufacture and apply the rubber paint to your roof. Your roof will look great and won't leak anymore. Rubber Roofs offer a 10-year warranty. Rubber Roofs is the trusted name in roof waterproofing. Find out more at www.rubberroofs.co.za. Joining me in a few minutes is Ian Swain, fresh from the UK, chatting to us about international cyber fraud threats. Also joining us in studio live is Clive Gangadu from Mo Data. I'd like to remind you the views expressed on the show aren't necessarily those of High FM. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. If you're tired of getting contractors in to fix your leaky roof, only to find out that your roof still leaks, it's time to sort that leak out for good. Rubber Roofs manufacture and apply the rubber paint to your roof. Your roof will look great and won't leak anymore. Rubber Roofs offer a 10-year warranty. Rubber Roofs is the trusted name in roof waterproofing. Find out more at www.rubberroofs.co.za. You're listening to Confidential Brief live in Johannesburg on 101.9 FM and broadcasting worldwide via a live stream on highfm.com. I'm very happy today. I'm joined by Ian Swain all the way from the UK, and he's going to be chatting to us about international Trends in cyber fraud. Also joining the conversation is Clive Gangadu from MoData. Um, Ian, firstly, welcome. Um, always great to see you. Follow you religiously and buy a catch on all social media. So welcome to South Africa and thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for the invite. It's a pleasure to see you again in person. Clive, as per usual, you've become a regular on the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Chad, always great being on your show in Ohio FM. Ian, let's just Cut straight to the chase. Uh, people are talking about fraud wherever you go. And you being in that space, you must get inundated, must actually get quite tiring. No matter what space you're in, no matter who you're with, the minute they hear that you work in the identification of fraud threats, people tell you their tales of woe. And it's literally everybody out there. Statistics show that 40% of crimes reported in the UK in 2022 were fraud related. Now that's reported crime. We know a lot of people tend not to report a crime when it's fraud related because they believe perhaps it won't be solved or they're embarrassed. But 40% of all crimes in the UK, that is a massive, massive figure. You're exactly right. Uh, It's become such an issue that there's a number of legislation and uh, regulation pieces which are going on in the UK. Um, you've actually got it now being talked about a critical security threat to the United Kingdom. 
And the UK is really just better at documenting fraud than I think a lot of other countries. We've always been very good about transparency. We've got UK finance who are great about collating all the figures and actually putting it down to the different kinds of fraud. Um, and I think that's shone a light on the underbelly of what's really been going on. But 40%, that's almost half of all the crimes in the UK. If, if we'd asked 10 years ago, it would have most probably been 15, 20% thereabouts for it to have doubled in a decade. Surely this points to a massive problem that the authorities are not prepared for. I think there's an element of that. Um, I'm going to stand up for law enforcement. I've worked with them closely globally. I know there's some excellent people out there who are fighting the crime. I know within the industry, within the banks, within payment systems, there's people who are very passionate in dealing with it. But you're right. I mean, the 40% of all crime, it may be 50%. As you say, there's the embarrassment on some of these frauds, these social engineering, the romance scams. People don't want to admit it. But we, we take a step back and there's just one thing which is driving this, and it's digitization. So I'm not knocking the authorities. What I'm saying is I don't believe the authorities were prepared for this onslaught. We're living in a digital age. We're moving more into the digital era where our identities are becoming digitized. And I don't think the authorities have kept abreast. And one thing we need to always remember is fraudsters are adept at change. Oh, you're exactly right. When was the last time you saw a fraudster who had to go through a change control board or budgets? Um, Fraudsters are agile. They're lean. They're faster. They're working in a transnational. So some of the guys who are hitting you know, people in South Africa, they're hitting people in the UK, they're hitting people in the US, they're hitting people all over the world. Um, they're not individuals anymore. These are highly organised groups, in some cases state-sponsored even. Um, and they are very, very adept at what they've done. They, they've worked over the years. I've been a fraud fighter now for 17 or 18 years. I look in somewhere in the world, there's a mirror image of me. There's someone else who's got that experience of actually defrauding people for 17 or 18 years. And they're mentoring in the same way, I honestly believe. Clive, we talk about 40% of all reported crime in the UK being fraud related. South Africa is experiencing something similar. Without going into the actual statistics and the facts and figures, can you in- somehow... Tell us what what the experience is on the ground in South Africa in respect to the reporting of fraud. So, Chet, I mean, I think South Africa is no different uh, than the UK when it comes to digital adoption. Uh, that's the first point. Um, and it's a, just an indication of the or correlation as to the increased usage of digital banking. And as the, the usage increase, the fraud increases as well. Uh, so there's a direct proportion to that. And as Ian said, you know, it's playing catch up. Uh, I don't think uh, the organizations and even the regulator, as far as we want to say, the regulators are always at the forefront and, and banks are at the forefront and organizations are at the forefront of digitization. Where we see frauds is really getting through is, you know, duping customers that aren't suspecting of this and customers are becoming the weakest link. What we're seeing is that a lot of this fraud in the digital space is actually authorized. Um, and this is where, you know, the losses becomes a challenge in terms of investigating that and the play between the regulator and the complaints on Buddhist to who takes the losses is becoming very topical right now in terms of refunds of these scams because they're authorized. We're chatting about fraud in the digital space, cyber crimes with Ian Swain from Biocatch. He's out from the UK and with Clive Gangadu from Modata. We'll be back straight after this. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. 
Tired of your leaking roof? Don't have the funds to replace your entire roof? Well, Rubber Roofs is the answer. Rubber Roofs Liquid Rubber Paint has a 10-year product warranty, so you won't have to worry about your leaks ever again. Rubber Roofs is the trusted name in waterproofing, with expert applicators nationwide. Call us today on 087-0948-092 or visit rubberroofs.co.za for an obligation-free quote. Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in waterproofing. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. If you're tired of getting contractors in to fix your leaky roof, only to find out that your roof still leaks, it's time to sort that leak out for good. Rubber Roofs manufacture and apply the rubber paint to your roof. Your roof will look great and won't leak anymore. Rubber Roofs offer a 10-year warranty. Rubber Roofs is the trusted name in roof waterproofing. Find out more at www.rubberroofs.co.za. You're listening to Confidential Brief. Today, the conversation centers around digital fraud, fraud that is growing in the cyberspace. I don't know anybody that doesn't have either a social media profile, doesn't do some or other kind of e-commerce, doesn't have some form of online banking, and everybody that is in that space is being targeted. Helping me make sense of all of this, Ian Swain, out from the UK, part of Biocatch, and Clive Gangadu from MoData. Ian, we chatted earlier about the massive increase, and I don't think it's it's a true estimate of what's really happening out there. The attempts are are huge. Everybody is being attacked, and and we can't really term it a cyber attack, but everybody is getting friend requests on social media from fake profiles. I think they call it catfishing. And we're seeing an increase even on, on WhatsApp and other forms of communication tools where people are reaching out anonymously but pretending to know you or be associated with someone. Why is it that people have become far more trusting in cyberspace than in the days when you and I first came into the space where there was far more human engagement? I, on the other hand, I'm far more suspicious of the cyber world than I am of the real world. This is a really interesting point. Um, I'm sh- I think I read a study in the last year or so, and it was about the amount of time people will spend to think about something and really actively think the attention span has dropped down. A lot of it has been down to what's gone on in the digital space, particularly the long- younger generations. I've been doing this a long time. I've got the grey hair to show it. I'd like to think my attention span is reasonable still, but when things come in, there's a sense of urgency and immediacy. And... I'm lucky. My first degree was biology. I looked at neurobiology as part of that. And what's going on in the digital space It's the dopamine. It's the clicks. It's that immediate action. The fact that it comes in and we've been conditioned by algorithms within social media and buy it now marketing. So when something comes in, it's like, oh, we don't necessarily stop and think there's this immediacy. We're just, oh, click, gone. And it's only later that that little voice at the back of your mind goes, did you really want to do that? You know, I think the only time that that little voice may come into play is where it's more around the financial transaction. You've got something to lose there, and that that little voice on your shoulder sometimes is going, do you really want to click that? Do you want to go through? And that's how you can get some of the behavioural changes, which can be spotted in some ways. But the, the this whole immediacy, I think, has been driven from the conditioning of the entire digital space, and I think COVID hasn't helped either. Clive... Our show is, is, is mostly listened to by good people. 
but criminals listen to anything and everything and watch anything and everything so they can get a heads up on what the authorities and organizations such as Modata and Biocatch are doing um, to try to prevent this from happening. So without going into detail about how the products work, give me an indication because we're speaking a lot about individuals and how they can be prejudiced, but we forget about big organizations, even government, how they can be prejudiced by an online or digital threat. What is being done um, to to counter this? I mean, you would see buzzwords like phishing, uh, phishing, um, you know, getting access of customer credentials uh, through uh, methods of email or SMSs purporting to be from a trusted organization like a bank. As Ian mentioned, there's a neuroscience of behavior of this with the increase in mobile adoption. There's a sense of immediacy and there's a sense of nudging when you see a message pop up. You know, we live in a clickable society. So it's the click first and think later. So what uh, organizations are doing, especially financial services that are at risk of losing money or customers reporting fraud, is to educate them to ensure that, that it's from a trusted source and there's ways to do that. If you're unsure, the old ways of picking up the phone, phoning your relationship banker, if you're close by a branch, walk into the branch, did you receive this notification from the bank? Is it legit, not legit? Because it's very easy to part away from your money and it could be irrecoverable. So, you know, uh, I would say for the men in the street, Always educate yourself. If you're not expecting, you know, a lottery payout, and you're not expecting this call, and you're around a, a change in your detail, put monitors on your credit bureau uh, in terms of new accounts opened under your name. Uh, you know, always watch your score. Always watch and monitor your banking account activity, because you know money could be part known to you, you know, uh, as you were duped, or unbeknownst to you, where. Profilers or fraudsters would then, you know, impersonate a legitimate person just to access their funds. So banks are doing a lot of education campaigns about that, but it's just not enough. Uh, you know, we need more uh, capability in place to stop the fraud before it happens. I'm just going to jump in there. One of the most effective things I've seen in terms of uh, an awareness is a campaign. Uh, I can't remember if it's the anti-fishing work group or it came out of one of the UK fraud. It was stop, think. And that sums it up. When you get the, if it, just stop for a second. Think about what you're doing. Just don't go straight through. And it's that's really, really simple. It's nothing technical. It's just were you expecting it? What does this really mean? Don't just get lured into that immediacy. That's what the bad guys are relying on. And if there's cash at the back of that, just to latch on to that, you know, we see, um, you know, another way of getting access into uh, regulated organizations is passing the KYC checks of an individual. So, you know, there's an exchange of an identity document by the real person uh, in exchange of money. You know, we understand the economic pressures, but, you know, there's no stop and think about the, the impact of handing over your identity for a quick buck. Uh, and in the end, it could be, you know, uh, a conduit to massive crimes in society. A very important takeaway there was stop, think. Um, like Ian said, don't just click. Don't just assume. Think first. It's so very critical. We're chatting about digital threats in the world of cybercrime and the increase in fraud. We'll be back straight after this. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. You're listening to the Confidential Brief. My name is Chad Thomas. Very important conversation today. We're very fortunate to have Ian Swain in studio all the way from the UK. He's from an organization called Biocatch. 
and we have Clive Gungadu from MoData. If you didn't hear the beginning of the show and you need to catch up, just remember that there will be a, a repeat during the week as well as on Sunday. And the recording of the show is available on highfm.com under podcasts, confidential brief. Before we went to break, Ian, you, you made such a very important point about stop, think. And that is critical. We should do that with everything that we do, especially in terms of our online presence. But education and awareness is just as important. People need to learn more about what's going on. When we started the conversation, we spoke a little bit about phishing, a little bit about romance scams. Clive mentioned phishing. But what are the kind of trends that you've seen in the UK that are set to to duplicate and replicate themselves the world over? Well, I think they already, unfortunately, are be replicated the world over. We're back into social engineering. So cybercrime started with phishing. That classic email which came through and went, you know, we need you to do something. Click here and capture the credentials. Now, unfortunately, people are, or the, the bad guys know that that doesn't work anymore. But with data breaches, they've got your phone number. So the big problem now is twofold. One, data breaches. So they've got a huge, huge database of tens of millions of victims. But more importantly, across the world, everything's secure. So it's no longer just a username and password, your email and your password. There's normally secure codes. There's SMS. You need a token. So... What we've seen in the UK is, why am I going to try and break a technical system? I just break the person. So it's, I, I ring up and, you know, hi Clive, this is your bank. Um, there's been a problem there, we need you to move your money. So these kind of social engineering scams, uh, the authorised push payments as they're called in the UK parlance, they're happening down here in South Africa. Um, I've been down here before last year, heard it was coming in more. This year, more of the same. Um, the fact that uh, you're the one who's now being pushed into uh, not just giving away your information, but actually doing the payment yourself to get round all this strong authentication that's been put in place. Clive, the last time we had a conversation with Ian, we saw a couple of videos that have been broadcast around the world um, trying to create awareness around the problem of social engineering, how people take control of somebody's life. And one of the videos was really disturbing. It showed an old man who was lonely, who has been targeted specifically for those reasons. And we've seen cases where boiler rooms are set up specifically to target areas where there are retired communities, where people may not be that tech savvy, and they are vulnerable. They are in some instances tech naive. That shows us that the fraudster isn't just somebody hiding behind a screen. It's a narcissist. It's a sociopath. It's genuinely a bad person. There's no difference between him holding a knife in real life to what he's doing over the phone. How do we tackle this problem of convincing the authorities and people that cybercrime and digital fraud is as bad as a contact crime? So, Ian um, and Chad, you know, when we spoke about this at the last show, we talked to the human side of fraud, and that's exactly what it's about. It's the impact to the human uh, behind the fraud. Um, and the loneliness side of fraud is, you know, where you, you talked about the vulnerable, an elderly man sitting in front of his laptop, uh, not computer savvy. He's got the laptop because he's forced to use it in terms of moving money around. He's called by the frauds that will purports to be from a bank or a trusted authority to gain access to the computer. 
And he allows that because they're so convincing. They speak like a trusted person. They speak like a bank would speak or a trusted advisor would speak to that uh, individual. They get excess of the computer and they move money out. Uh, only unbeknownst to that elderly person that it's actually not the bank calling to help them. All they're doing is they need help. Uh, and in the end, the fraud is moving out. So what the fraudsters then tend to do is use the computer crimes and use the intelligence to really target this vulnerable uh, and move money out at speed and scale. So in order to take the fight back to the fraudsters, we've got to help individuals uh, that are vulnerable, you know, the, the elderly, uh, by using these digital signals as well to tell if this is lit, the, the user behind this device working on uh, this money transfer, is this the normal behavior? Is this person being guided? Is this person under duress? Is this behavior atypical from their normal behavior? You know, those are telltale signs in the digital world that wasn't there in traditional technology that could help save a life in the end. Uh, is what we see now. A lot of this is actually distraught. It brought families down in losing entire pensions, moving money out of their home loans account that is in advance to uh, accounts that are in control by fraud. So this is rapidly on the rise. Uh, and the human side of fraud is literally the impact it has to the individual that loses the money. Ian, one thing that's really perturbed me over the years, and I spoke to it in the question that I just asked of Clive, is the fact that cyber criminals, fraudsters that hide behind um, a screen, and even your common day um, fraudsters, they had a term white collar crime. They made it sound almost nice when they spoke about romance scams or advanced fee scams or 409 scams. They didn't really look at the victim side of it. I've now seen that the Americans from the SEC through to the FBI to, through to Homeland Security and Secret Service have taken cognizance of a term that's come out of Southeast Asia and they're now using it. It's called pig butchering. And that to me is a massive shift in attitude towards these crimes. Because when you describe what pig butchering is and you liken it to the person that's been fattened up for the kill, it starts bringing home the reality. It is. And I think we are in a, you know, a space in the sign before that we're full of jargons. Pig butchering, I've had some people object to in the banks. Go, we don't like that. Too bad. I, too bad. I, I think it is hard hitting. I know that there's a prosecutor on the west coast of the US who's been doing that, who's connected in with one of my friends over there who's retired. But uh, Ken, shout out to you. You do an awful lot of good work there. You know who I'm talking about. You know, Fraud fighting is a lot of passionate people. I think we've got to get the shift away from it's a victimless crime. 15, 18 years ago when I first started out on this, the bad guys in Eastern Europe who were doing this, they saw it as victimless. At the time, they had justification. They didn't have the jobs out there, and they saw that there was refunds going on when people were scammed, and they, they convinced themselves that actually I'm not a bad person. But it's moved now into call centres in India which are legitimate business paying taxes off the back of scamming tens and hundreds of millions of pounds global dollars globally from people. This is not victimless. You have suicides going on there. You've got uh, all kinds of cybercrime, not just in the banking. You've got the sextortion, where you've got teenagers jumping off bridges and killing themselves because of what, as you said, some piece of scum elsewhere in the world is doing to them. Um, and this is why, coming on with yourself, you're equally as passionate about doing the right thing. Ian, you said something there that's very interesting. You said that there are call centers hiding behind a facade of being legal, paying their taxes, but in actual fact, 
they're nothing other than a boiler room. Help our listeners explain what you mean by that. Um, so when we look, we've got uh, the calls which will come in. I don't know quite how prevalent they are in South Africa, but you probably have them. Where they're coming through, there's a script. Um, they will go along the investment route, for instance, and they'll say, well, here's what's going on. And it's different levels within these organisations. They are literally call centres sitting out there in India. Sorry, India, I'm not saying you're a bad country. I'm saying that there's bad actors in there like any country. Um, and they'll go through and there's different levels within the organisation. You've got the ones who do the first call, and then they'll hand it over to someone who actually is maybe a little bit more callous, as you said, someone who actually doesn't give a damn, who will then go and actually get the money moving out after they've got that initial contact. It is highly industrialised. Um, and then the pig butchering, as you were talking about, a lot of that is coming out, uh, that's Cambodia. But the scary thing is there, some of the people doing the calls in this industrialization they themselves are victims. They themselves have been lured in with the offers of jobs. We've had people from Taiwan getting pulled across there into Cambodia. I'll pass that back to you rather than just keeping going on about it. No, it's a very important point because I don't think people realize just how professional these organizations are. There's been a meme that's gone across the Internet for a couple of years now that shows a dirty room filled with about 20 people of purportedly West African origin or the laptop and they say this is your lover in Italy and it's it's like a, a, a hard hitting thing but of course not all of these scams have emanated out of Nigeria it's just Nigeria that happened to legislate um, advanced fee fraud as, as, as 419 of their penal code it's throughout the world Clive you spoke about social engineering and you spoke about somebody calling you up purporting to be somebody within a trusted organization, where do they get your information from? Because they can't just call you up blindly. So, you know, as I mentioned, um, Chad, is that you've got intelligence that has been breached or leaked, uh, you know, through these massive data breaches. You know, uh, we've seen uh, government organizations being breached with all of your personal details. We've seen bureau data being breached. And all of your traditional authentication of a particular customer in environment uses uses knowledge based questions which you typically find you know uh, at bureaus always sensitive and that's out in the open so that no longer suffices as as a method of authentication so you know it suffices to say that this information is we can work on the premise it's in the open it's in the wild and it's no longer you know a useful key to entry into your into your financial uh, wallets uh, in order to prevent this, the, the reality is that, you know, like usernames and passwords can be breached, a person's behavior on that typical device cannot be breached. You know, it's consistent to that particular user. I cannot replicate or spoof chat your behavior. I cannot mimic as hard as I try to behave as you would do, you know, in terms of your cadence on your device if you're an Internet banking user. Uh, however, but I can steal your username and password very simply. So social engineering is really priming you as a victim to create trust so I can steal that information off you. Uh, or if you are getting an OTP, which is a one-time pin to your mobile phone, I will also socially engineer that from you. We're talking trends in the digital and cyberspace in regards to fraud. Our experts in studio with us today, Ian Swain from Biocatch and Clive Gangadu from MoData. We'll be back, back straight after this message from our advertisers. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing.
Tired of your leaking roof? Don't have the funds to replace your entire roof? Well, Rubber Roofs is the answer. Rubber Roofs Liquid Rubber Paint has a 10-year product warranty, so you won't have to worry about your leaks ever again. Rubber Roofs is the trusted name in waterproofing, with expert applicators nationwide. Call us today on 087-0948-092 or visit rubberroofs.co.za for an obligation-free quote. Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in waterproofing. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. If you're tired of getting contractors in to fix your leaky roof, only to find out that your roof still leaks, it's time to sort that leak out for good. Rubber Roofs manufacture and apply the rubber paint to your roof. Your roof will look great and won't leak anymore. Rubber Roofs offer a 10-year warranty. Rubber Roofs is the trusted name in roof waterproofing. Find out more at www.rubberroofs.co.za. You're listening to Confidential Brief live in Johannesburg on 101.9 FM and streaming worldwide on chaifm.com. Very interesting conversation today around fraud and the cyberspace and how the the growth in, in the theft of digital identity is growing. And that leads me to my next question for you, Ian, and that is people talk about the dark web. Is the dark web still a thing and can people still buy people's details on that? Or is there a far more simpler explanation for the fact that there's so much of our information floating floating about? I think firstly the dark web is real. It's out there. Sometimes it's a little bit overhyped. We know with some of the things law enforcement have done in delving into investigation, it's not quite as dark as the bad guys would like to think it is, thankfully. But as you said, those may be the more hardened career ones who are selling services anonymously. We've got smaller local groups where people will breach data. They will sell it more simply. There there is a graduated scale across there. And as we were saying earlier, you don't need to be a computer hacker anymore to take money out of someone on the Internet. You need to be a grifter. You need to be able to socially engineer someone. You just need to have the motivation and to actually think, you know what, I'm going to do this in some cases. So that's an interesting point. We're talking about grifters, and we used to call it the long con, where they would come into somebody's life and they would have the time and the patience for that big payday. Nowadays, it's far easier because, like you said, people want that dopamine hit. Do you believe that syndicates share details of what they call whales, um, potential big spenders that they can take advantage of, as well as lists of vulnerable people that um, can can be socially engineered into parting with their money? Okay. I'm going to come on two things here. The first thing you're saying about the grift of the long con, that's still there. That's the pig butchering you are describing earlier. They will put the effort in for that. So it's there. It's just moved into a digital space. Um, with the, the second piece there where we'll... I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> Back to me on the sauce. The 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 sale of lists yeah. and of whales suckers. So yeah, okay. It's not so much. So it's not so much a list of whales. I think it's a sucker list. That's what we've heard it referred to as um, with some of the criminal organisations, and we've seen this within the banks, UK and elsewhere. That someone who has actually been victim to one of these social engineering scams, and quite often, as you say, they're vulnerable. It may be they're elderly. 
It could be that they've actually just had a bereavement. It could be they've actually just been made redundant. These kind of uh, vulnerable moments can actually be a trigger which makes someone more susceptible. Once they then are defrauded once, yes, we have actually seen there's a propensity for them to be attacked again at a different financial institution that they're also at. So there is some element of sharing there. So, Ian, what you just said is very interesting. Apart from the long con, there's a thing called a succulus. It just shows the disdain that these fraudsters have for victims. They call them suckers. And something very interesting I've taken away from this conversation is what you've described to me today in respect of the call centers that were set up originally in Eastern Europe. We know about these rooms that were established in West Africa. Uh, You're talking about call centers in India and Cambodia. Is that the person that's actually committing the fraud isn't necessarily an IT fundi, isn't necessarily a black hatter like everybody likes to refer to. It's actually somebody in a call center that's just well scripted. That's exactly right. There's scripts on there. They are coached through it. We've seen evidence. There's some brilliant YouTube channels about the guys who have actually been investigating some of these call centers on there. I'll let people go and look those up. But it, it, it's very much set in where you'll come in as a junior, you'll be mentored and they go through, and then they'll move up the ranks to the closers where they actually get the money coming out. In the early days, people are recruited and they don't necessarily understand what they're doing. So there may be a churn at the lower levels, but those who actually have the stomach for it or have the the moral ambiguity is as far as I'm going to put it. I'm not going to use the same terms as yourself. They can move up and onwards in the organization there and get more money from it. They are nothing more than reverse sales guys. You look at the same traits that makes a good sales guy, the way the persistence, the, the pushiness, the self-belief. That's what social engineers have. And that's all these people are. You know, think of them as a reverse sales guy. Instead of actually getting you to buy something, they're just taking your money and giving you nothing back in return. Clive, as somebody who's been in the banking fraud space for a very long time, are you surprised at the amount of fraud that's taking place and how sophisticated it has become in terms of the access to information and the need for some kind of device, algorithm, help me out here, software to identify when a fraud is in play? So uh, personally, I'm not surprised by this. You know, we uh, and a lot of my peers in the industry would would argue the same. You know, we saw the writing on the wall. Um, you know, we've seen an uplift, and when it hits you, it hits you fast, and it's the path of weakly res- uh, weakest link or, or least resistance. Where if fraudsters tend to see an opportunity, they maximize that opportunity at speed and skill. So they'll drain enough in the shorter space of time until that gap is covered, right? And what we call is a balloon effect. So if you squeeze a balloon on one end. It bulges on the other. So the fraud continuously evolves and migrates. They invest in this. It's not the one-man concerting behind the computer trying to fish or, or dupe an unsuspecting non-computer-savvy uh, person. But we're finding intelligent, computer-savvy people being defrauded in anticipation of expecting something from an organization that is due to them. So, for example, if I order uh, something online through an e-commerce spend, uh, I'm expecting a, a shipment of that. The fraudsters then, if my email address is compromised, I generally use my personal email address. If that's compromised, they would then send me a link to click on to, you know, look at the uh, delivery time or some payment information resulting to the shipment. And that gets you redirected. Because we're living in this non-stop, non-thinking society and everything moves in a rapid view and our brains are wired to do that, it's about this immediacy. 
even the smartest people are, are duped into that, and it's money out. So we've seen this. We've seen a lot of this with cases being at the ombuds. We've seen, you know, sudden surge where the b- banks had to make um, and organizations had to make a view on policies on what to pay out from a claims perspective and what not to pay out from a claims perspective, which brings me back to the opening statement around refunds and why that is being argued by the regulator in terms of the stance. Who takes the loss? Because there's a real impact of this and organizations are expected to do more. Uh, in terms of technology, in terms of capability, customer awareness is important. It's needed from onboarding the customer right through their journey with you, but it's also incumbent upon you by introducing these digital channels to make sure it's protected enough so that the end user is not defrauded in, in the simplicity and speed and scale that it's happening today. Ian, before we went on air, we were having a discussion um, in the green room, which at HiFM is actually a blue room, and we spoke about social media and different platforms, and you mentioned something very interesting. In the UK, it looks as if there may eventually be accountability on the part of these different social media platforms for not protecting their users. Please, could you expand? Okay, so we've got legislation going through the UK Houses of Parliament at the moment, and in that there's... Off the top of my head, I'm, I'm making sure I've got it closer. It's almost a criminal culpability piece, so a failure to prevent fraud. And that's the stick which is going to be there to beat social media companies. The UK banks are realising that the recruitment of people to receive the funds from fraud, the so-called money mules, um, that's very, very prevalent on social media. So we've got Instagram, we've got TikTok, you know, we've got Facebook, we've got others out there where we've got people flaunting wealth and saying, you too can get this, the get rich quick. As we were growing up, you know, you used to see adverts in uh, classifieds around that. Now it's right in front of them in full technicolor. And the, the, the thought is that, look, if the banks are saying there's some of this going on, or a lot of this going on, why are you not cleaning it up? You can track these people. We've seen people like Hush Puppy, who was instrumental in laundering hundreds of millions of dollars from a variety of crime syndicates and even nation-state attackers, finally arrested in Dubai after flaunting his wealth on Instagram and social media there. You know, something's got to be done, and this, uh, I think, the UK is the first country to actually take this step forward. So what you described, in essence, is the outlawing of clickbait. Not the outlawing. I think it's the fact that in in the UK we've had telcos use the excuse of I'm a common carrier. When you're social media, you're not a common carrier. You've got to moderate what's on that. You're already moderating for hate speech. There's other things there where there's intelligence which can be shared from law enforcement. There's a back working in cases from the banks where the banks will work in public-private partnerships across the globe with law enforcement to actually find out, well, how did you know the money go out what was the 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 precursor steps so if you can follow the breadcrumbs back you can actually not quite a smoking gun but you can say with a pretty good degree that's where this originated clive in south africa what are we seeing from the authorities in respect of i like to use the term outlawing but making illegal what we're seeing a growth of and that is not just the social engineering the fishing but more more often than not clickbait. Yeah, I mean, we, we're seeing, you know, a lot of the sort of regulation around protection of information, making sure there's customer consent, there's a right education 
But we're seeing a stance now on, you know, collaboration and what to collaborate and what, where not to collaborate. But if you look at this, you know, on the converse, the fraudsters are continually collaborating and finding new ways, uh, to, to, to defraud victims out of their, their funds. So what the regulators are seeing is that the, the industry is really responding to the customer demand for real-time payments, immediacy, uh, you know, integrating it into social wallets. We're seeing third-party payment wallets like Apple Pay and Samsung Pay becoming ubiquitous. It's the norm. We've seen an uptrend pre-COVID. We've seen this out of necessity during COVID, even where the novices are, are adopting the digital channels out of sheer necessity. And now it's actually at the point of no return where it just exploded. And we could see this coming, you know, relating to my previous response to, to your ask is that this is really growing. It's a space and really the regulators are, are finding, are grappling with, you know, the dated regulation and also how to make sense of the frameworks in play to really protect the customer, uh, and, and, and make it fair ground also from a com- com- competition perspective. So, you know, what, what's been arguing around the whole, you know, sort of real time landscape is having the right frameworks in place to know where the liability sits and how do we protect the man in the street. We've seen crypto payments also on the increase and, you know, we see this booming in, in the UK, in Australia, we've seen this trending in South Africa, bring it back home and it just goes into a black hole. Um, there's not much regulation around that and we've seen a lot of these regulatory sandboxes been spun up by central banks worldwide to create an environment for organizations including new entrants like fintechs to play around with this new technology to make sense of it and understanding what the real impact is to regulation and how do we, you know, with economic crimes really being on the increase, how do we protect individuals and business alike without hindering economic growth? So there's always a balance at play um, and, and the regulation has a, has a consequential effect on the bigger economy, not just the South African economy but the global economy. So it's not a straight-out answer. Uh, but we clearly see that with the increase of fraud, it's really, you know, crippling GDPs of first world nation. And South Africa, uh, is, is not exception to that. You're listening to Confidential Brief. We're in conversation today with Ian Swain from Biocatch in the UK and Clive Gangudu, our local resident digital fraud expert from MoData. We'll be back straight after this. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. If you're tired of getting contractors in to fix your leaky roof, only to find out that your roof still leaks, it's time to sort that leak out for good. Rubber Roofs manufacture and apply the rubber paint to your roof. Your roof will look great and won't leak anymore. Rubber Roofs offer a 10-year warranty. Rubber Roofs is the trusted name in roof waterproofing. Find out more at www.rubberroofs.co.za. You're listening to Confidential Brief, and we're in the final minutes of a very interesting conversation, which could actually go on for hours, and actually should go on for hours, because um, you, our listeners, have a right to know about what's happening in the digital space when it comes to social engineering and all these wonderful terms that we've learned today. In a nutshell, your organization, Biocatch, that you're a part of, Ian, what is, what is your mission statement? What is your ultimate objective? Okay, so using the words of our CEO, we're maniacally focused on preventing fraud uh, in the digital space through looking at the behavior of what's going on behind the device and of the device itself. So we're trying to see, hey, who's actually behind it? More importantly is, is there a fraudster behind it? 
that description, Clive, what are we looking for behind it? So what we've seen, you know, with this being in the labs over the years and in production, you know, worldwide is that criminals have specific traits and profiles, you know, outside of, you know, a, an individual that, it, that enters data out of their short-term memory or long-term memory. Uh, you know, pro, with all the data being breached and scaled, they would then generally cut and copy and paste this information into these forms as opposed to just typing it out of memory. You know, there's certain... Uh, behavioral traits around a fraud so that it, we're using the algorithms behind the models to define a profile of a criminal versus the profile of a genuine user using the population in, in, of the data that's been gathered over a period of time. We're talking of millions of accounts and billions of sessions on a daily basis. And this definitely creates out of the box view of, you know, is there any risk signals? But in addition to that, with computers and advances of malicious software, to get access, remote access, you know, there's, there's definitely legit use. I mean, we see this, you know, remote supporters getting access, uh, to, to help you with the, with desktop support, but also we see the nefarious use of these remote access tools. So, the, you know, traditional technology cannot detect us, but what Ian said, what we see behind this device, first of all, is there malicious software? Is there a trait of a criminal profile? Is this a human behind the device or is it an automated script in terms of a bot? Um, you know, is there any emulators of a device that is masquerading as a trusted device? Those are all subtleties or telltale signs that could stop the fraud before the money is even moved out of that, that internet banking channel or mobile banking app. Thank you, Clive. Ian, we've seen technology come out of two places in the world to try combat crime, terror, and now cyber-related um, fraud and also terror. Those two places, surprisingly, Las Vegas was the one because of its massive gambling industry and Israel being the second because of the threats against their country. Biocatch is an Israeli company. Tell us a little bit more about the thinking behind the product and expand a bit on what, what Clive just explained to us. Okay, so as I say, I've, I've been on board with the company from you know the nascent years, not quite the start. But as I understand it, the technology originally came from combating terrorism. So if you consider when you have a suicide bomber, there's a lot of traits which have to uh, be fulfilled before they can go through. By looking at the behavioural changes, you could actually identify them. So they'll be closing down any accounts there so there's no debt outstanding. There'll be a payment going into the family. Uh, the mobile phone itself would suddenly go quiet and uh, change. So that same kind of thinking was applied to the digital age. What can we look for which are the changes? We're not an authentication company. We're not trying to say that uh, this is really Chad or this is Clive. We'll build up what you would normally do. But what we're looking for is, hey, this is something we know is bad. I'm not going to drill down too deeply because it's on public access here. But we know that there's a, a lot of characteristics which the bad guys can try to hide, but there's telltales which are left behind. We know that by going through and looking at these continuously throughout the session, looking at every session, linking it together, looking across the omni-channel piece, so what are you doing on your web browser? What are you using on the mobile? What are you using in something like open banking? What's going on with your cards online? We can actually see, well, this is what it should be, or actually, this is what it shouldn't be. And, you know, we, the, the data that's collected, it's not so much the data itself, because... What we're not trying to do, as I say, we're not trying to say it is, Chad. We're trying to actually do this in a pseudo-anonymized way. We're maintaining data privacy. You've got the papaya piece down here. We've got GDPR within Europe and similar across the rest of the world. 
we're doing this to actually work out, you know, what is this account AA123? Does that look like someone's come into it? Does it look like someone is actually uh, trying to convince you to do something around it? I suppose it's the digital equivalent of the stop think, where we can actually pull up on that. We're able to give the banks uh, that early warning in there that actually all the other layers, the technical layers there, well, this, this is just layers on top. So as I've been speaking with the banks down here, it's very much about, well, this is how you can enhance your security. This is where they're understanding that fact. And, you know, the conversation I had down here actually shows that you've got some very, very capable uh, professionals who are protecting all of your individuals, and they're just as passionate as any others I've met elsewhere in the world. Ian, thank you. Any closing words from you, Clive? Yeah, thanks, Chad, for that opportunity. Um, you know, as Ian said, is you know we're really creating counter intelligence. You know, by bringing these signals that otherwise would have not been available to take the fight back to the fraudsters. You know, and the good news around the human side of fraud campaign. Yes, we showed you how fraudsters uh, easily defraud unsuspecting you know victims like the elderly, someone cold called reporting to be from from the bank and they're moving money out of their funds. But the good news is that by looking at these telltale signs, we're able to actually protect that customer before the money moves out. Because in the end, the real bank, the real authorized uh, organization, then calls up to you say, "Do you know you're actually in the process of being defrauded?" So that's the sort of ending side of the campaign. That there is a good news story at the end. You know, it's always, you know, taking that counter defense and playing cat and mouse, probably building up our defenses. And we're having a lot of conversations that are really bolstering that to take the fight back. Ian Swain, Catch, Clive Gangadu, Modota, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much indeed. The podcast of the show will be uploaded to the HiFM website. That's www.highfm.com. And the details of our guests will be uploaded to our social media, that is Confidential Brief Radio Show, as well as to our LinkedIn profile. If you want to find out more, look up Biocatch or MoData. And I think I want to leave you with this, this one point that was made today by my guest, Ian Swain. And when it comes to anything that you're doing that involves yourself, your identity, your money, stop, think. My name is Chad Thomas. This has been Confidential Brief. Tired of your leaking roof? Don't have the funds to replace your entire roof? Well, Rubber Roofs is the answer. Rubber Roofs Liquid Rubber Paint has a 10-year product warranty, so you won't have to worry about your leaks ever again. Rubber Roofs is the trusted name in waterproofing with expert applicators nationwide. Call us today on 087-0948-092 or visit rubberroofs.co.za for an obligation-free quote. Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in waterproofing.